Welcome to the Visegrad Inside podcast from Central Europe on Central Europe. Hello, this is Peter Markizai from Hungary. I'm very happy to talk to you to Visegrad Insights. I highly recommend this podcast for all my Polish friends. I'm the mayor of a town of 44,000 in the south of Hungary, and I successfully won the primary elections in Hungary and hence became the joint opposition candidate for the united opposition for the April 2021 national elections. And uh, my task is now to defeat Orban Viktor and restore democracy and freedom for Hungary. Hello, it's Sunday, 5th of December evening. Uh, we're chatting with Malik Banat. My name is Wojciech Krzybulski, recording this podcast uh, with a weekly outlook um, and, and focusing on the events ahead, but also summarizing and thinking what were the important things of, of the recent days. Malik, uh, what should we talk about? Let's start with something light, and uh, this is something for our followers on social media have seen retweeted um, caused a lot of attention is the meeting on Saturday of um, nationalists in Warsaw that included as I mentioned the French Marine Le Pen, Mr. Victor Orban, uh, Santiago Pascal of the Spanish uh, party Vox uh, and uh, ended of course with an issued a joint statement which really says nothing new Um, but you interestingly describe it in your interviews that you've been quoted as a PR stunt. So tell us a bit more about it. Well, it is, it is as expected, a PR stunt. Um, it was overplayed in the media. There was a, there was a report from 444.au that uh, ahead of the summit was uh, uh, expecting that there will be a joint declaration uh, in a form of, you know, basically a declaration of establishing a new political uh, party within the European Parliament. Nothing of that sort was expected by us and, and nothing like that has uh, ever happened. Um, that's frankly, simply because it's too difficult to, uh, to establish a new party. There's too much to lose uh, from those who be, belong already to the European Conservative Reformist Group. PIS is one of these parties, and Italians are also there. And um, <laughs> and frankly speaking, except for serving as a useful useful idiots uh, of of Mr. Putin, uh, there is very little in common between those uh, who, who who gathered for the so-called Warsaw Summit. Uh, from from the setting, from the from how the aesthetics of the meeting look like, I I I had a strange resemblance to the pictures I've seen of the Warsaw Pact meeting, and really, frankly, this was um, uh, a strong um, signal that uh, Warsaw is again hosting people who are directly or indirectly. Uh, dependent, uh, funded, sponsored, promoted by uh, Mr. Putin, Kremlin's interest, uh, like uh, Ms. Le Pen, financed directly uh, from loans from, from Russia to run her um, revisionist campaigns, and so on and so forth. So nothing new, and actually very good news. The next time they meet, they go to Spain, enjoy Spain, hasta la vista. Uh, there isn't really much more to say about this. Um, they wanted to have a family photo. They had a family photo. Uh, you could say a normal, one of the normal cycle 
of a political party life, except that uh, most of the members of, a, of the meeting, most of the participants of the meeting, were not one family member. So this was um, a very eclectic, very postmodern, uh, transnational meeting of nationalists. And there we go. That's that's why we had a lot of love um, at um, at those who treated it very seriously. And of course, there were a few. Um, a few politicians thought that they will use it as a launchpad uh, for you know as a counter counter narrative to them. Just to mention. So uh, voices like Mr. Kaczynski, who is inventing some new narratives about Germany as the Fourth Reich, and you know this, uh, all the all the all the creepy stuff uh, that is going to be uh, not so relevant, not so fresh, hard to communicate uh, in in what uh, the media should pick up as as a as a snowballing effect of discussion. And the U.S. already pledged uh, several uh, millions of, uh, of U.S. dollars to, to support democracy in Central Europe, also other parts of the world. But again, um, uh, uh, democracy support scheme administered by USAID is already rolling out, uh, showing that uh, U.S. is taking democracy and its commitment to Central European democratic security uh, very seriously. Absolutely, and um, uh, speaking on U.S. U.S. support and U.S. aid, um, we have it's 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 hard not to address uh, the ongoing uh, scary uh, papers and alerts being published all over the yellow press and media on a possible inva- Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, so there has been a lot of noise about that, and uh, in terms of dates, what we are looking at is. He mentioned a call, a teleconference call between uh, Putin and Biden that's going to take place where sort of, uh, as, as Biden said, that it's going to be a long, long talk. So probably we expect it to be longer than definitely uh, Blinken's conversation with, um, with, uh, with Lavrov. And um, what's coming from Kiev is a very strong message that not to entertain any proposals that are likely to be made by uh, Moscow in terms of um, Ukraine giving up its path on way to membership of NATO. So, um, Wojty, can you just help us unpack here? Um, how has the region reacted to all of this? Is important. Well, uh, first of all, we had a meeting of NATO uh, defense ministers in in Riga uh, last week. Last week was very eventful. There is a a sense of alert, um, which is uh, coming from the alerts uh, shared by by Americans uh, intelligence agency with, uh, with allies and also publications that were released later, Washington Post, Build, describing in pretty much detailed uh, action plan that Russia might be following, how invasion could look like, and a mobilization on the Western side, uh, on, the, on the West, um, is, is high. The response, the response uh, that we see is uh, partly diplomatic, but partly also mobilization, readiness for deployment of troops. Uh, we have seen that from several countries, though nothing has been yet decided, I believe. 
there there is a British um, there is the I mean British decision is pending whether not to send um, uh, a contingent to to Ukraine as well. Um, all in all, um, there there is a tough response in diplomatic terms. Uh, without so much military response, so, you know what? Some things are not uh, possible yet um, to respond. How to how the West can respond if if Russia indeed invades Ukraine? But this sense of alert and um, attention that Russia is gaining um, may lead also to a speculation whether. This was not the goal of Mr. Putin. That it's not really about invading Ukraine. It's about treating the type of a game that Kremlin offers in international relations as the game that the Western allies uh, are supposed to play in order to have any relationship with Russia. So any talks and deals and also gossips um, backdoor uh, negotiations, the old school 19th century um, world order, balance of powers and things like that, seems to be uh, quite an objective for, for Kremlin in, in all of this. And we have uh, explained how, how, this, uh, how this should be approached, how to deal with that through two fantastic uh, analysis. One, Oksana Forostina, uh, she wrote a, a piece on uh, at Visegrad Insight about the historical narrative, um, what's dangerous, what's not dangerous about them. There, there are also some other interesting uh, talks about how politics of memory, the narratives of, about history from Russia, uh, how, how they are trapping Russians in their thinking, uh, how to move forward. There is no way forward, there's no future in Russians' mindset apparently. And there is a Mirek Toda article uh, reviewing options uh, seen from the European Parliament, from expert analysts from Slovakia, also Central Europeans, looking at the challenges, looking at, at how you know the, the region responds to uh, to the to the challenge, which which leaves me with uh, with a bit of um, you know a sense of, of, of optimism that uh, that uh, despite all the peril coronavirus, pandemic, everybody seemed to be not giving up on Ukraine um, and are ready, ready to help and, and, and support um, uh, Kiev and, and Ukrainians in their uh, struggle for, for independence and freedom from, from the oppression. So, yeah, I think that's... Um, that's what I wanted to highlight. And I also wanted to highlight uh, some of the things that are upcoming from our end uh, this week, apart from the weekly outlook. And there's more good stuff, Malik, that you prepare with colleagues and our fellows. That is Adam Leszczyński writing on the roots of anti-German sentiment uh, in, and phobia in PIS, especially Kaczynski. There is Pavel Havlicek, Nick Cendrovich uh, to be published on... Uh, also upcoming Eastern Partnership Summit is taking place a week after this week. Um, we also have, a, uh, uh, as you will hear in a moment, an interview with Peter Markizai. We had uh, Peter Markizai, the candidate of the United Opposition in Hungary for pres uh, prime, uh, prime Minister candidate 
for April 2022 elections. And uh, we might actually uh, give you some sneak peek uh, into what was the discussion, a closed door discussion in our office about. Uh, there are stories upcoming uh, also in the near future on Bulgarian politics, explaining the dynamics there. And, um, and also on, on how much uh, in all of that, there is also the digital part that we don't discuss that much because we focus on hard security, but the real game and the real economy is also tied up and the real security is also tied up to, uh, to, to, to the digital policies. And there is, uh, there is an upcoming piece by Malina Mindranescu who explains the importance of EU-US digital summit uh, that took place uh, this summer and what are the possible implications for Central Eastern Europe. So a lot to read uh, this week, uh, and there will be something to listen to as well on, on Tuesday, uh, 7th of December. We're having uh, a discussion at the uh, Finnish Institute of International Affairs, virtual one um, with myself uh, being invited because of our report on 3Cs and the Civil Society Forum that we propose and is going to be implemented. Um, and also with Sela Cerneva uh, from ECFR Bulgaria, uh, Erkar Pondars, um, and, um, and uh, Rina Kula uh, from the Finnish Institute of International Affairs, as, as well as the director of the International Affairs Institute. So uh, you have time also until uh, the, the end of Monday to, to subscribe to participate. Peter Markizai is the candidate of the United Opposition in Hungary uh, that won the primaries, um, an experimental format and a very successful format in mobilizing people to uh, select the best candidate with the best chances to win in the upcoming elections as a, as a leader of the opposition that comes together. And he is in Warsaw with us, um, uh, meeting a high-level politicians, uh, visits um, Donald Tusk, Radek uh, Sikorski, Szymon Hołownia, and many others. We're really deeply honored that you find time to also speak with us. And the question to you, sir, is what is the future of Hungary? Where is Hungary heading and where it needs to head mm -hmm. towards? Well, it really depends on the April, April's elections outcome. If Orban Viktor wins, we know exactly where Hungary is heading. Uh, of course, it's not uh, where we want it to go. Hungary has been backsliding in democracy. It's also sinking in corruption. We have the highest number of COVID deaths uh, all over the world, not just in Europe, which means that Orban is not even able to control the pandemic. We are officially now the most corrupt nation in the European Union. And we are also the second poorest, with the second lowest level of consumption, lower, the, lower than that of Romania. And uh, Bulgaria is the only country who has an even lower cons consumption, so even poorer than Hungary. But Hungary has higher percentage of poor people. Uh, the highest number in Europe, actually, 74% of Hungarians are living below the European poverty threshold. So we know exactly where Orban is bringing us. We also know that Orban is, is building a Chinese railroad for Chinese goods, 
uh, from Belgrade to Budapest, uh, Chinese uh, products loaded in containers will be traveling faster than before. But this project is also financed by a loan from China repaid by Hungarian taxpayers. So it's our money. And Orban wasn't even able to, to ask for a modification in the, uh, in the route, uh, which would have been very logical that uh, this railroad goes through population centers like Szeged and Kecskemét in Hungary. But the Chinese didn't even accept that modification demand. So Orban gave up all national interests in favor of Chinese national interests. Same thing happened with Putin. Orban is serving Putin's uh, dictator's interest. Orban allowed the Russian spy bank, you know, they're famous for uh, hosting Russian spies, with diplomatic immunity to Budapest. It is in the Schengen zone, so Orban is not only betraying Hungary, Orban is betraying the European Union. Orban is a puppet of Putin. Orban is a slave to uh, Chinese interests. Uh, so it's, it's definitely not, uh, you know, uh, self-government and independence and uh, sovereignty, what he speaks about. But like I said, results are catastrophic. Uh, there is a huge uh, intimidation in Hungary. If you speak up against the government, you will not get government jobs. All school principals, uh, hospital directors, in any other jobs, all people are selected based on their political loyalty and not on their competencies. And you can also see, once in Poland, I have to admit that we envy Poland, because yes, we both suffer from backsliding in democracy, and uh, a, a, an authoritarian ruler who wants to build a uh, exclusive power, but Orban is much more successful. Uh, we have also very limited uh, freedom of the press. Uh, many projects, uh, you know, have been made by Orban to control the entire uh, publicity, the public uh, discourse, uh, uh, spending huge amounts of money on internet and YouTube advertisements, owning probably over 80% of all advertisement surfaces in Hungary, using it for his own political will, political uh, projects. And um, so it's, it's just in overall, you know, we see that Orban is building a one-party state. We have a constitution accepted by one single party, Fidesz. We have a, an electoral law accepted by one single party, Fidesz. We have a media council that can revoke frequency from any opposition radio. He already did. Uh, this media council consists of five members. All of them are Fidesz. So there's absolutely no... Uh, you know, with Orban, there's no hope of this country developing and going uh, towards the West. It's uh, at, the uh, at the brink of leaving the European Union. And uh, this is not the future we want. We really want to uh, turn Hungary back to Europe, uh, restore democracy, restore the rule of law in Hungary, yeah, independent judiciary, checks and balances in the new constitution, uh, you know, modernization. Uh, the good examples that I, I envy Poland for is, for example, not only economic results, but also uh, your huge success in education. Uh, PISA results, PISA uh, uh, test results, show that Poland is uh, near or at Scandinavian levels and improving year by year. 
Hungary, on the other side, is declining in PISA results year by year. Since 2005, it's a constant decline. So we need to improve the effectiveness, efficiency of our educational system, digitalize our educational system, uh, innovation uh, needs to be widespread in the system. It is now uh, banned. There's no free selection of textbooks, school books, for example. So there's a lot of, lot of changes that we need to do in order to revert Hungary to democracy, rule of law, market economy and European integration. And maybe just additional question to that. Uh, what will make you the successful candidate? Uh, and uh, you know, uh, why people believe in the opposition uh, under your leadership? Well, there's two things. One is a political position, if you want. Uh, I am a father of seven. I'm a devout Catholic. I have been a leader in the Catholic community locally where I live, where I was elected a mayor. Uh, you know, I'm well known as a uh, center-right uh, positioned um, uh, politician. And as such, I have a greater appeal to former Fidesz voters like myself. I voted for Fidesz up until 2010. So I got disappointed with Orban and Orban's results and uh, dictatorial uh, leadership style. But uh, before that, you know, I also believed in him. So I probably have a better chance of, at uh, convincing uh, people to trust the opposition now. So that is a political position, if you want. And secondly, I have also proven myself uh, twice at uh, mayor elections in my city, Hormuzivashar, it's a city of uh, 44,000, which resembles more like the average Hungarian uh, you know, countryside, if you want. Um, if uh, a leader is selected from Budapest, uh, inevitably, you know, it will not represent uh, the country, if you want. So I can probably not only better understand, but better represent, uh, the, you know, the average Hungarian um, uh, people and the mindset. And uh, like I said, I have proven myself in uh, two years, we have successfully fulfilled 75% of our uh, promises that we made during the campaign two years ago in a five-year cycle. So in 40% of the time, we already fulfilled 75% of our promises, including free, free public transit in Hobnuzivashahe, uh, a 100% coverage in uh, recycling uh, in our city, and uh, many other projects. Uh, Roma integration project is extremely successful in my city. We have a 15% Roma uh, population and uh, we have already uh, great results. Uh, there's a uh, social peace. Uh, you know, we, we brought people together. You know, we, we really promote uh, understanding and tolerance in our uh, local society. And I could go on and on. People are quite happy with these results, and I think this is what Hungary needs on a national level as well. Thank you very much, and wish you all the best in this uh, in this ambition. We fingers crossed for Hungary. Well, thank you very much. Dziękuję bardzo. Kasenem, kasenem sepan. Zoltan, welcome to the show. Great to have a fellow podcaster focusing on Central Europe like yourself with us. I think uh, it would be great if you could tell us a little bit of your experience. I mean, you are a political consultant, um, advisor, uh, helping Peter Markizai, also on his recent trip to Warsaw. Uh, we hosted both of you in our office um, uh, just a few days ago. And 
also um, you had uh, you had meetings uh, with senior Polish politicians, but you had political experience yourself. And I think it would be great to have a few words from yourself about where you are in the Hungarian politics and Central European uh, politics as well. Hi, Wojtek. It's very good to have, it's, it's good to be invited to your show. A couple of weeks ago, you were on our show, uh, the Central European Affairs podcast, which is done by the Civitas Institute, which I am running. And now I'm giving, a, a giving the favor back, but putting the joke aside, I started to be involved in politics, in Hungarian politics, more than a decade ago when I started the Free Market Foundation. It, I was one of the founders and later the director of the foundation. And uh, I was very much active uh, in, in civil society up until uh, a real involvement in politics back in 2015, when there was a by-election in Hungary for one parliament uh, seat in my constituency. And I decided to run as an independent and I had a surprise victory over the Fidesz candidate. And my victory meant that at the time I broke the two-thirds majority of uh, Orbán's uh, government. So for three years then on, uh, there was no supermajority of the uh, Fidesz administration. So I was a member of parliament from 2015 until 2018. Uh, in 2018, I got to know Peter Markizai and I joined his movement. And ever since then, we've been working very closely. I've been his foreign policy advisor and helping him a lot on uh, foreign policy matters. Uh, in the meantime, I, I, I became again active in civil society. Uh, I am now the director of operations of Civitas Institute, which I mentioned at the beginning, which is running the Central European Affairs podcast and doing a lot of very interesting things. Um, I also hope to be active now in the campaign with Peter, and I hope to contribute a lot to his future success. And that's what I'm working on at the moment. Zoltan. Thanks so much for the introduction. And now on to the, on the, the big question of the visit uh, you have organized uh, in, the, in the last week with uh, Peter Markizai visiting Warsaw, visiting uh, senior politicians uh, in Poland and also visiting and having a closed-door meeting with think tankers and uh, uh, journalists, editors uh, at Visegrad Insight. I wanted to know what was your strategic objective planning this visit? Uh, why the Warsaw Budapest Express uh, had to come this way? Uh, I think we have to go back in time a little bit uh, in connection with how the trip was organized and uh, the, what the main objective of the trip was. When uh, Peter defeated uh, his opponents at the primaries, at the opposition primaries in Hungary, uh, the Fidesz media and the Fidesz propaganda placed him on the left. Now, he's, he's, he's been a person by Fidesz propaganda portrayed in Fidesz media as the leftist candidate. Although we know and everybody else knows that Peter, who is uh, a practicing Christian, who is uh, a conservative politician, has basically nothing to do with the left except for the fact that he has he is now supported by left-wing parties as well, but he has to or had to gain some legitimacy from uh, from from well-known politicians all around uh, Europe in order to be recognized not as a left-wing politician. Now, um, when we go back in time a little bit, I have to say that a couple of weeks ago, we had a two-day trip in Brussels during which he also met Manfred Weber and some uh, EPP politicians uh, as well, although that trip 
was not uh, so much advertised um, for several reasons. One of the reasons was that we wanted to have symbolic meetings as well with uh, politicians from the V4 countries. One came uh, last week when we went to see Mr. Zurinda in Bratislava. And that meeting went very well. I think there was a, a good chemistry between the two politicians, although Mr. Zurinda right now is not a practicing politician, but the head of the uh, Martin Center, which is the think tank of the European People's Party. But still, I think that introductory meeting with Mr. Zurinda and uh, because of the strong Hungarian-Slovakian relations was a key uh, in, in establishing relations with with the European People's Party and with politicians on the centre-right in Europe. And the other symbolic uh, meeting that we, that, that we planned was uh, the Warsaw trip, because the focus of the Warsaw trip was actually the same. Um, with the politicians who we were going to meet, the objective was to introduce Peter, introduce his vision, introduce his vision for Hungary, and and actually uh, emphasize the fact that there is an alternative in Hungary, and there, this alternative doesn't necessarily have to come from the left. Uh, honestly, if Orban uh, is to be defeated, uh, the defeat is going to come from the center right, and this is where Peter is coming from, this is where I am coming from. And I think uh, when we were planning these trips, uh, although we are in the middle of the campaign, we had to keep in mind that these are the messages that we can send. And you know, when we're, you are talking about the, the, the Budapest Express arriving in Warsaw, and I think it, it had a good message to people in Poland that, that uh, Hungary does not equal Viktor Orban. Hungary is not Fidesz. Hungary has, even on the right and in the, on the center right, uh, alternative politicians who are not Viktor Orban and his uh, followers. Now let's summarize the trip and what you have achieved during this trip with Peter Marchizai. Um, after having those meetings with Donald Tusk, uh, Shimon Hovnia, of the two most popular political parties of the opposition, you had signed declarations, you had uh, set up a strategic cooperation in that respect. How that is important for the campaign of Peter Marquisai in Hungary? And what's the broader vision uh, for Central European cooperation? So um, we had a couple of very good meetings and I, I don't want to exclude anybody. So let me just go uh, in chronological order of who we met uh, during our two-day two trip. Well, first meeting right from the airport was with Shimon Holovnia. And there are a lot of similarities between Peter and uh, Shimon, especially the fact that neither of them has uh, a party. And uh, obviously the chemistry was very, very good. And uh, Peter talked a lot about how he managed to win the primaries, why the primaries in Hungary were important, how we managed to convince the opposition parties in order to have primaries, because that was the key issue. Without the primaries, Peter would never have become the prime minister candidate. Without the primaries in the 106 constituencies, there would never have been new faces in Hungarian politics. And now we see a kind of like a refreshment uh, of Hungarian politics. Obviously, there was a very huge 
anti-establishment mood atmosphere in in, in the Hungarian uh, electorate, which meant a high turnout at the primaries, which also meant that Peter had a, a much better chance uh, for victory, which proved to be right. After Mr. Holovnia, we went to see uh, uh, Mr. Chaskovsky. I hope I pronounce his name well. Uh, we've, we've been, a, and I, I personally have been a big fan of uh, Mr. Chaskovsky, and uh, the meeting went very well. Uh, obviously, it was one day before uh, his uh, his hearing in Washington, the online hearing in Washington. So the focus was uh, on that as well. We talked about foreign policy. We talked about the fact that uh, Orban, Viktor Orban, is uh, is the the Putinist Trojan horse in in Europe, and and Viktor Orban's policies and politics should be avoided and should be prevented. I think that's something that we both agreed upon. Uh, after Mr. Holovnia, we went to, to the Senate, where we met Bogdan Klich, and uh, we had a short tour in the Senate, and we envied the fact that the, at least uh, in, in, in the Polish system, you have two houses, and in the Senate, there is an opposition majority, even if it's just, just one. Uh, still, there is some kind of control over Pish. Uh, so this was uh, this was the first day, and the second day we started the day with uh, Radoslav Sikorsky, and we just had a very casual breakfast meeting with him, talking talking about party politics, talking about his personal experiences as a foreign uh, minister and also now as a as a politician from uh, Brussels, and and then came your event, the Visegrad Insight event, which I think went down successfully. You tweeted about it, lots of people tweeted about it, and I believe there will be a good summary about it. And uh, the highlight of the trip came at 11 o'clock on uh, Thursday, which was the meeting between uh, Mr. Tusk and Mr. Markizai. And I think the meeting went down really well. There was a, a joint press conference in which uh, Mr. Tusk emphasized the fact that Peter's movement and then later a party, if it's to be uh, built up, are welcome in the European People's Party. And I think Peter was and I was also very happy with this declaration because uh, it gives Peter legitimacy from the center right. So to frame it well, I think the 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 the. the uh, objective of the trip was reached, the two people met, the two people had a good chemistry, they both agreed that Hungary and Poland have to reverse their politics as far as uh, European politics are concerned, Hungary should go back to the west and not to the east, Hungary should not fall into the laps of Putin and China. And uh, Mr. Tusk also emphasized the fact that Peter's victory, if it is to come, so the elections in Hungary next April, are not only important for, for Hungary, but very, very important for Europe, uh, especially in the light of uh, a future cooperation between the far right in, in Europe, uh, you know, the, uh, the meeting that is to be 
held or not held uh, between Kaczynski, Salvini, Le Pen, Orban, AFD, FPO, and 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 basically the whole center right of Europe forming. Uh, uh, I mean, not center right, sorry, the whole far right of European parties, which are to form a new uh, far right party. So this is something that is to be prevented. This is something that a lot of people, a lot of decent politicians and decent people in in Brussels uh, are fearing, if stretching from the Greens to the Social Democrats and the centre-right and Liberals. And I think Peter has a lot of responsibility on his shoulders and I hope that he will fulfil the uh, expectations. Thanks. Thanks so much, Zoltan, both for appearing on the podcast and for your reflections from the trip to Warsaw. Uh, which I'm sure will bring some fruits and we'll be observing closely um, how, how the progress of the United Opposition led by Peter Markizai is taking place in Hungary. Music